Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on today's episode, we dive into another what if Winnipeg Jets edition, taking a look at what the team looks like if they go full rebuild. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here. Head into the long weekend in style. You know, it's kind of funny, Tyson. Long weekends for me, it's not the same anymore because I work for an American company. Which I, I, I enjoy working for, but I don't everybody else is gonna enjoy the long weekend, but it's it's back to work Monday for me, which kind of sucks, but it's all good. I'll 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 make it up on uh, July fourth and then American Thanksgiving. So works out <laughs> hey, there, at least but... at least you have Saturday, Sunday off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, says Tyson, not rage filled whatsoever. That's okay. <laughs> um but yeah, well, we'll head into the long weekend for everybody else uh, in style here, having a little bit of fun uh, on an episode to kick off Friday and the rest of the weekend. And um, yes, I'll just get CJOB's Tyson Rewicki to unplug his mic and plug it back in before we get the episode started, because it's going to be a beauty today. Not only are we going to take a look at what a lot of Jets Nation has been clamoring for since the team flamed out in five games to the vegas golden knights but we continue what might be a new tradition here on skates and plates especially to start off the episodes and that's a little trivia contest i guess contest i mean nobody wins anything um do you know and, and by the way cjob stays and rowicky joined us once again uh do you know what the response was to our first trivia edition last episode let me just get a mic check here is this all good you sound great Perfect. I uh, yeah, what was the response? I'm uh, I'm intrigued. There was no response. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Which is fine. I don't care. But there was no response. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll let you uh, lead the way here, Tyson. I asked you a couple last time, a couple game seven theme questions uh, before Dallas took down Seattle. So the floor is yours, Tyson. What do we got here? We'll start off with uh. This one's not really too too matching with the theme of tonight's game, so we'll get it out of the way first. But which goalie has the most points in NHL playoff history? Uh, which goalie is is it? That's a, I'll I'll go with Marty Broder. Incorrect. Is it Hexy? Nope. His name is Grant Fuhr. Oh, that's with, dumb. I should have. I believe it was 15. I think it was 15 points. 15 or 14 points in his. Uh, what kind of question is that? Goalie <laughs> points. <laughs> Next up, 0 for 1. 
who has the most game one goals in NHL history? And there's two <laughs> and there's two answers. What do you mean? Oh, there's like two different people? Yeah, they're they're tied for the lead. Oh, I'll give you a hint because this gosh. is just so one yeah. is from the seventies and one is from the eighties. How do you even find these? <laughs> Stat Muse, baby, shout out. Um, and sorry, seventies and eighties. Yes, seventies. Let's go with Reggie Leach. Incorrect. Okay, <laughs> and then <laughs> I guess eighties. This is awesome. I love these questions. Eighties. <laughs> this is yeah, game one. You said yeah. Um, Glenn Anderson. Also incorrect. It was Yari Curry and Phil Esposito. Oh, they were so obvious. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I would have guessed if you said, if you would have said most playoff goals, 70s, 80s, that would have been my two guesses. But okay. This is the one I'm really looking forward to. So since the Florida Panthers are back in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 96, I thought, why not throw it back to 1996 and ask, who was the leading point getter for the Florida Panthers in the 96 playoffs? In the playoffs, hey? I think I know who it is. I think I know who it is. His son's on the Winnipeg Jets, isn't it? That is correct. It is Dave Lowry. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dave. Got it. 17 yeah. points in 19 games. Yeah, because I would have, like, Mellonby and Scrooland. Well, uh, here's a funny story. I don't even know if you know this, Tyson. Uh, but the reason I I know semi so much about the the '96 Panthers is um, they had I think it was that regular season they had a a game in in Winnipeg, and uh, I got to go on the ice with John Van Beesbrook, and I got a picture <laughs> wow. of me holding holding the iconic Panther goalie helmet that he had. Um, awesome. And we were, <laughs> I, I yeah, I guess I guess you weren't born yet, but we were. Um, our older brother was friends. We like we were family friends with the Screwlids, so we we kind of we we knew Brian and um, we hung out with his brother a lot and 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 his kids. Um, but yeah, yeah, Dave Lowry had himself a hell of a play. I guess it runs with the family eh? after Adams' past couple of playoff runs. But yeah, Dave Lowry was the leading scorer. And I, I think Mellonby was. I think Mellonby and Screwlin were like two and three as well. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny too. You look at Dave Lowry's playoff uh, scoring in the NHL. Besides that one year, and uh, his career high in the postseason, other than that one year, ninety six, was five points. Look at that! <laughs> yeah, that was a wild one. That was a wild series. We'll see. Last time I checked, it was two two in the third period. Panthers Hurricanes. Um, but nice job, Tyson. I, I like the no theme. Making it as difficult as possible on me, and well, if you ever do, if you ever do game one theme crap again, I will kick you off the podcast. So <laughs> you bad did game seven last. You did game seven yeah, last. Yeah, but at time. least game sevens are cool. Like game, who knows game one? Who 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 scored for the Jets in game one this year? Uh, Kyle Connor and Dubois. I don't know the answer, but Eat I'm it. assuming you're right. Eat it. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, well, we'll we'll try to keep this going for a few more episodes there. Um, but good work. Yeah, I never would have guessed any of those, and I didn't guess them properly except for the Panthers one. Um, 
Very good. All right. Well, let's move on here and let's get to the crux of the episode here. We, again, uh, for those that maybe are just tuning in for the first time or missed last week, whatever it is, last year, I started off a little Marvel-styled what-if look at potential turning points or altering timelines in Jets 2.0 franchise history. Um, Those ones last year were more so based into how things could have gone if certain things you know, went a different way. This year, though, we're switching up a little bit with an off-season themed what-if and taking a look at potential pathways as to what the team could look like if they embark on a specific, let's call it, off-season strategy. Last week's, we took a look at, what was the, what was the one we did last week? Run, run it, it back. back. It was run it back. Yeah, that's what it was. It was run it back. It was pretty depressing, to be honest. Um, not really a whole lot of hope if the Jets go down that path. But ironically, hope would be the buzzword if the Jets do embark on this path that we're going to take a look at for this episode here. And that would be, what do the Jets look like if they go full rebuild? No toes in two different pools. It's a full-on swan dive into trying to boost up the Jets' future and maybe winning some playoff games and trophies. Not this year, but maybe 2026, 2027, something along those lines. So that's what we'll take a look at here today. Because, uh, look, Tice, there's a lot of people that want to go there. I mean, that was kind of, I think you think the team should go down that route this offseason, right? Yeah, like if I, honestly, if I was the GM, I could, I'd tear this ship down. <laughs> that's all. We'll <laughs> get into it a little more deeper, but like, I, I I really do think that I I like when teams kind of have that foresight, right? Like there's a lot of teams in the NHL when you get to that point where you need to rebuild, you're probably already a season too late than when you should have started, right? And so I kind of <laughs> like it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so especially with all the Jets with the contract questions for a lot of these guys, like you look, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but PLD, Shifley, and Hellebuck, I mean, those are three key pieces. And then even you go on to the year after that, Nikolai Ehlers is a free agent after the, the year after this upcoming offseason. So there's some serious questions. And, yeah, I, I, I think you get ahead of it. I think there's a lot of guys on this team whose values are going to be at, a, at arguably the highest that they've been in their careers, if not pretty close. So I think that to capitalize and get the most assets and build towards a rebuild, I think that you could go forward with, a rebuild similar to the Rangers where I mean, and of course the Rangers got super lucky yeah, with the draft I, lotteries. They signed Panarin and then they signed. So not, it's a little different, but you will be collecting so many assets and so many, I guess you could say lottery tickets where it builds a lot of excitement as you see these guys come up. And I think this is kind of what the Jets team and organization needs as a whole to kind of get that fan base's trust back and really push this message that, hey, this is going to be a new era of the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to, it's going to suck for a couple years, but we're going to push this thing forward, and we're going to be a better team because of it. And Not in the near future, but the semi-near future. Five years, four years, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things on this. Uh, you know, I, I and that's why I like doing stuff like this, because it's easy to say, go rebuild, go rebuild, go rebuild. But... 
once everything's torn down and you take a look at it, it, it it's not as easy as uh, you might think. And it can be a pretty lengthy process. Like people say, oh, no, we want youth. We want youth. Well, are you going to watch 82 games? Are you going to pay 200 bucks a night to go watch your team lose 5-2? A handful of times in January. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easy to say to go that, but then can you actually find a way to, to push through it? And look, there's some teams that have gone the rebuild route and they can't turn the corner and it's rebuild and another rebuild and another rebuild and another, you know what I mean? And it, you just never get out of that cycle. And then especially with the way the jets are in terms of the NHL landscape, they, if they do go down that route, they cannot afford to mess it up. So there's a lot of pitfalls that go along with it. The flip side of that as well, though, Tice, and I'll get to your point in just a sec. The funny part about this is that the jets also might have intentions of retooling, reloading, but if a certain player or certain players say they don't want to come back here, the club may have no choice but to be forced into going down this path as well, which is why it's also worthwhile to look into what what could happen if the Jets do go that route. Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick quick point there. But I mean, you mentioned being in that kind of continuous cycle of rebuilding. Is there really much of a difference between being caught in a continuous cycle of rebuilding and a continuous cycle of mediocrity? Right. Like there's sort of I that's I think that you're able to put you're able to brand your team a little bit differently when you're being honest about a rebuild. And you can kind of you can try to start to bring the fun back into the team a little bit with these young guys and create a different atmosphere in the arena in the arena. Because if we're being honest, these past, like you just look at the begin when the Jets first came back here compared to this season and it's night and day. And so I think that's part of I think that's one of the things the Jets also need to work on this season is really kind of building that connection back with the fan base. And I'm not saying that they're not, they don't care about the fan base or they don't care about the city, but there is a sort of a disconnect right now at the moment where fan fans are really all over the place right now. And the Jets haven't really put forward a plan that the fans can sort of un, not, I'm not trying to say understand, but that can, they can get behind. And I, that's, that's sort of my way of thinking there. Well, let's take a look at it. Let's dive in. What do the Jets look like if they go full rebuild this offseason? Now, I think, at least to start off this so-called rebuild, I think the main parameter that we have to lock down right off the bat is that full rebuild does not mean moving out one or two pieces. And feel free to disagree with me, Tyson, but to me, full rebuild means Hellebuck, Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler, all gone this offseason before any other potential moves are made. Is, are, is that cool with like step number one here? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it then. Now, I what I would say, it, it, and it gets a little bit tricky here to try to figure out, okay, what do these guys get in a trade? Who are the players possibly coming back? How many picks, prospects, that sort of a thing. To, to me, let, let's do the easy one right out of the gate because Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, are all going to bring something back. What that is, we don't necessarily know. Let's just say Blake Wheeler gets traded for nothing. There's no tangible asset coming back, right? The, the Jets retain 50%, but they're able to move him out for, even if it is, say, a mid to late round pick, that's what they get done. But I, I don't think, even in a perfect world, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be able to pick up a second or a third round pick for Blake Wheeler, seeing how... I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrad went for a third and a fourth last year. 
<laughs> like a, a young, super talented guy that's one of the best forwards for, for Seattle right now. Let's just say, for argument's sake, Blake Wheeler gets traded for either nothing or a late-round pick. Are we cool with that? Yep. So then how do we figure out Shifley, Dubois, and Hellebuck? This is where it gets a little interesting and tricky. I mean, the easy part is all three of them are shipped out and, and out the door. I think, I mean, I think if you take a look at all three of them, you get at least two first-round picks probably slash likely three first round picks, like a first rounder for each of them. But then it comes down to how much are you going to get on top of that? And when you take a look at some of the most recent deals involving players of Shifley Dubois calibers, to be specific, there is a pretty consistent template of, at least the main piece is being a first-round pick and then a high-end prospect. Are there going to be something added in on the edges? Perhaps. But that's generally what we're looking at here. Um, do we want to Do we want to send Dubois to Montreal, or are we just going to send him to, to any other place in the NHL? Screw him. Send him Screw wherever him. he wants but Montreal. That's right, baby. <laughs> just because I was going to say, if it was Montreal, like I think it's Kirby Doc, and then like other pieces. That seems to make the most sense. But... Let's send him somewhere else. And the Winnipeg Jets are able to get a first-round pick and a prospect for Dubois. Uh, for Mark Shifley, do we want to give him a legit destination? Like a yeah, New York would, or a L.A.? I, I'd go Detroit. Like I, I keep on coming back to Detroit with Mark Shifley. And I and especially this, I would try my hardest. If And realizing that you're going full rebuild, I would try my absolute hardest to grab another first in this year's draft. Because the 2024 draft, it's... It's not bad, but this draft is just stacked. And I and I and I love the idea of I I like to use the Debrinket trade last year as kind of a as kind of a precursor for the Shifley trade. And Debrinket went for the seventh overall pick from the Senators, and some other just some other like a third round pick, and then a there second, was another, it was a second and a, it was a second and a third, yeah, second and a third, right? So I think that right there is a pretty good precursor for a Shifley deal. I like I would go it, up to it, Detroit. I would go up to Detroit, Detroit. Detroit's ninth overall. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in that case, if it was Detroit, I think ninth overall would do it. To be honest, like for a guy that's a year away, I, I think that might be enough. If you're the Winnipeg Jets and you're forced into going the rebuild route, I don't know if you'd be able to get a high end prospect along with the ninth overall pick in a really good draft. What do you Detroit, think? De- Detroit does have the. They have some guys who are kind of on the cusp of the NHL, but they could probably use just a little bit of a change of scenery. And so I think you go in with the first round pick, ninth overall, grab another, you know, third, and whether it be this year's draft or next year's draft, and then go after either one or two of those guys who are kind of one foot in, one foot out of Detroit's organization already. And I'd even look at a guy like Philip Zadina, who's really struggled so far this in his NHL career so far with Detroit. But it, you can tell he's just got tons and tons of skill. And I I would love to take a home run swing on a guy like Zadina because if you do hit on that swing and you get a legitimate like he he would be a top six forward if he hits his potential. And so you're rolling with a guy like Philip Zadina, whoever you get at nine, maybe it was Zach Benson. You know, like it's that that trade could start to pay off very quickly for the Jets if it if if that's the way they end up going. I, I would like Elmer Soderblom 
the, oh, the yeah. giant big boy. <laughs> he's, just like, he's so big. He's so big and so skilled. Uh, but either way, okay. So let's say Shifley goes to Detroit. Then we'll we'll, we'll send Mark Shifley out to Detroit, and the Jets are able to get at least the number nine. We'll do nine in Sedina. I think that's fair. I don't know how much value Sedina has. Twenty three year old, not much scoring total right now in the NHL level. So we'll, we'll do number nine and Philip Sedina for Shifley. Uh, Dubois, should we pick a team or just do a first and a high end prospect? Yeah, because uh, I think it's too tough. Like there's. If it's not Montreal, like it literally could be anyone. So we'll do that, a first and a prospect. And then Connor Hellebuck. He will get a first-round pick, for sure. It's so tough with goalies to figure out how much you can add on top of that. Should we send him to Edmonton? Yeah. yeah. Should we just – how about Dylan Holloway in a first-round pick? Sign me up. Well, we'll just, yeah, we'll make it nice and easy. That that way it's, you know, pretty easy to keep track of. We have an unnamed prospect for Dubois. But the Winnipeg Jets move Shafley, Dubois, Hellebuck, and Wheeler. And they pick up three first-round picks, including ninth overall, Adina and Dylan Holloway so far. i got to be honest, that's, it's not underwhelming because the returns make sense. But just that alone, it's like, oh, the Jets are going to suck. I, there would, there <laughs> like would be an extra really prospect in there. Forgot about the Dubois prospect. That was Fair enough. Another prospect, but oh, the Jets would suck really quickly. Yeah. Like, yeah really, really quickly. And they'd be, I mean, and that's going to be the, the issue. <laughs> rebuild or not rebuild, honestly, Tice, the issue is going to be if you move on from both Shafley Dubois this offseason, who in the hell plays center in the top six for the Jets this year? Because even if Adam Lowry's wearing the C, he should not be this team's second-line center, let alone up and above that. Like, he's slotted in at that third-line center is just just fine with me. But you move Shafley Dubois, that's fine. Oy, 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 it's going to be tough for the team to have a competitive mix down the middle there right after that. And, and like it's, it's just it's really easy to see things kind of quickly spiral out of control. Let alone who's going to play a net for the team. You don't have a goalie <laughs> unless you get a high end goalie prospect back. But even then, goalie prospects outside of the truly, truly spectacular do basically nothing for you right out of the gate. It takes them years and years before they become viable starters at the NHL level. So it's. It, <laughs> Gotta be honest, Tyson. It gets super scary, super quick. Yeah, I mean, it, it will, but that's that's a rebuild, right? Like that's well, I, I would. That is a rebuild. <laughs> and with I got I with if that's what happens, I would use this season to see if Cole Perfetti could be a full time center in this league. And I know that there's the injury concerns, the harder style of play as a center, but. He's got the skill level, and he's got the he's got the IQ to be a center in this league, and so I I would I would let him take over one of those top six center roles and just give him a little bit of leash, give him a little leeway, and see if he can kind of settle into a center role in this league because I think that would be massive for this team in a potential rebuild. Is grabbing a guy like Cole Perfetti, who if he reaches his potential, he would be a number one center with that skill level. But even if he's not, if he can prove that he's a quality number two center, I think that's also a, a home run in my book too. 
I don't think he's a center. I mean, and you kind of hit it on that. He's he's he can't stay healthy as a wing. And then you're gonna throw him down the middle up against some of the big dog. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I mean, you're out wrong if they went that route. It's worth it just to see if if you got something there. But I I, I don't think it's gonna play out that way for for Cole Perfetti. I think he's gonna be great. Just it's not gonna happen down the middle for him. Um, and then I mean that's down the middle. The issues there goaltender i mean you have to go out and get somebody if you right? like you have to dave redditch isn't going to be your number one um i mean maybe in this situation you wonder a little bit about spencer knight in florida i know he's dealing with the he was with the player assistance program so you don't know totally what's going on there uh, maybe minnesota as well they've got um i mean gustafson but uh who is it Jesper wallstedt they're their high-end prospect like maybe you can get one of those guys it might be a scenario where if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you don't necessarily maybe trade one of your high-end guys for a goalie prospect. But once you get all these assets in, then you go out and target a young up-and-coming goalie to be uh, you know, one of the pillars for the future for you at that point on. Um, but let's just take a look at what the team would look like after that, Tyson. Because you would still have Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. So a couple of first-line wingers. There's still some high-end talent on the team. I mean, Nito Nito Ryder is, I think, as even if he has to be up there on the first line with a Connor or an Ehlers, you probably feel pretty good about those two out there on the flank. It's just we have issues down the middle there. Uh, but Cole Perfetti would jump up there. So your your wingers are Connor, Nino, Ehlers, and Perfetti in the top six. That's actually not that bad. It's just your center your center depth is is beyond atrocious. Um, no, but after that, you would have, you, but you probably would have Lowry, Morgan Barron, and Mason Appleton, and then some combination of David Gustafson, Kevin Stenlin, and a couple of Manitoba Moose hopefuls, or maybe a guy that you sign um, as a training camp uh, tryout or something along those lines, right? So if that's the forward group, the goaltending, let's say it's below average i think that might be a fair place to put it at <laughs> we won't say if it's the worst of the nhl but we'll put it at below average um assuming that it's you know a couple of so-so goaltenders that come in in place of connor hellebuck and the back end remains relatively unchanged we'll say that for argument's sake the jets don't move out any of their defensemen just yet we'll get to that uh in a couple months time how good is that team tyson not very. How good would the Winnipeg Jets be? Like, j- just kind of give me a ballpark figure. It's tough too, not knowing what Chicago, Anaheim, these other teams are going to do. But assuming the Jets pick up a bunch of picks and some prospects that may or may not be ready right out of the gate to fill in at the NHL level, what spot might the Winnipeg Jets look be looking at with their own pick in the 2024 NHL draft? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say that this team gets. Around eighty points. Eighty. I th- I still think so. I, and and th- the other thing with that is that if you do move all those pieces out and you do keep all the rest of the team as it is, you're gonna have a lot of cap space. And there are gonna be some guys on the free agent market. This isn't the greatest free agent class this year, but there are gonna be some guys out there on the on the free agent market who maybe need a prove it deal, and they see that hey, I could come in and center. Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. And I think that there is some incentive there for some of those free agents where we all, all we hear about all the time is how Winnipeg's not a free agent destination. But for some of those guys who need a bounce back season and need to kind of get their 
career back on the right track. I think that there's a lot of intrigue for this team in, the, in those top six roles. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of, I guess, B-level free agents. And I, of course, you know, they're B-level free agents, so they're not going to be world beaters. But there's a lot of guys in there that could come in and fill, fill in adequ- adequately in that top six. And if they do, you have more assets to move out of the deadline. So I, I like, I think that you, you can, I mean, like 80 points would have been 10th this year. You would have been around 10. It was like the Washington Detroit range there. So I think, I don't think that's too outrageous. Tyson, I, I think you're dreaming if that team gets 80 <laughs> points. Not Maybe. even close. Not Maybe. even close. Like the Capitals and the Blues had 80, 81 points last year. And they had way less deficiencies than this Jets roster would. I, I think first and foremost, moving Connor Hellebuck and entering a rebuild phase will open everybody's eyes pretty quickly. That holy it's crap, true. this this team is nowhere near as good as as we thought. Like the, the 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 collection of skaters is nowhere near as good as we thought they were because you've had a goaltender put up either a nine fifteen, a nine twenty, or a nine thirty save percentage for a half dozen years. I think everybody's eyes are going to be open really, really quickly that things uh, were propped up quite a bit by number 37. So there's that part of it, too. But then they're just going to be so weak down the middle. So weak down the middle. Um, And then a blue line that is, I don't know, average at best. That, that to me, it's, it's a recipe for borderline disaster. I don't think they'd be in the running for the number one overall pick, but probably five, six. I, I, I think that's completely within reason for the Jets if they went full rebuild and and didn't really and I I should mention too like full rebuild means that they're not trading Shifley for a 24 year old number two so you know what I mean like it's like you know we want just picks and prospects and that's it we're not looking for um, somebody that might help us sneak into the playoffs that sort of a thing Um, then you get to the trade deadline too and that's the other part of it Tice like if they went rebuild ship it on all those guys before the season starts at the deadline, Dylan DeMello would be an unrestricted free agent. Nino Niederreiter would be an unrestricted free agent. Um, I mean, Pionk, one year left. Brandon Dillon, unrestricted free agent. That's that's a lot of capital the Jets could add on there as well, which is great for a rebuild, but would make them even worse in the last 20 or so games of the regular season. Um, I mean, if you trade DeMello, Brandon Dillon, Probably looking at like a second and a third, I would think something along those lines. I mean, Nino might be able to get you a first. We've seen worst forwards get first round picks in trades at the deadline. So, I mean, maybe they could pull it off there. At the very least, you get another second for Nino, like the Jets gave up there. Um, so you'd be looking at a couple more, two two more second round picks and then a third round pick, um, which is, again, pretty tidy work for the Jets if they wanted to go down that route. Um what 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 would intrigue me, and this is something, you know, when when people say full rebuild and all that. So let's just say this season goes on as as we talked about there, Tice. Um, you know, the Jets don't do a whole lot good. They finish bad, but not awful, like some of the worst teams in the, in the league. Well, because they've got more talent than a lot of those teams, but they're picking somewhere in and around five, six, seven. I think people say rebuild and it's just like, we'll trade Shifley, Hellebuck, and everything's going to be good to go in a couple of years because we've got some talent elsewhere on the roster. But I think there is a, 
an absence or, or, or forgetting about some unintended consequences about going into a rebuild. So I, I answer this. What's Nikolai Ehlers' future in Winnipeg if the Jets go full rebuild? Well, if they go full rebuild, I think he's gone. And I honestly, I keep an eye on Nick, Nick Ehlers this summer. I don't think anything's oh, going nece- I, I to anything. I don't think anything necessarily is going to happen just because there are so many other names that are rumored around there right now. But you got to think that, I mean, he missed the first four games of this playoff series. And then he went and go, he went to go play in the world championships after like how hurt, like, you know what I mean? Like that's there's, there seems there, there's something weird going on there. And there were watching some of his interviews. You could sense a, you can sense some frustration there. And then you add on to the fact that he's not getting all optimal line usage, whether you dis, would disagree or agree that Ehlers should get optimal more minutes. Nikolai Ehlers 100% thinks he should be getting more minutes. And so you look at the his his line his minutes that he, that he's getting, and then plus the power play minutes that he's getting too. I I could easily see a guy that's been that's that's frustrated with this group and with this team, and I, I think it's something that to keep an eye on, hundred percent. Well, that's what I wonder about when when people say full rebuild, and it's like, oh, we'll have Ehlers and Connor and Morrissey be the face of that, and they'll be the new the new era of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I I, I don't know if it's necessarily true. And then if you do move on from a Nikolai Ehlers, for example, all you're left with in terms of high-end talent, absolutes, is Kyle Connor and Josh Morrissey. There's nothing else after. Like, that. that's it. It gets really scary really quickly. And at that point, you're really, really banking on one of two things, and that, A, you hit some home runs with those three first-round picks that you acquired um, by moving Hellebuck Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, and those are big-time players that come in at 19, 20, 21 years old and play pretty significant roles right off the bat. Or you, you hope Brad Lambert becomes Nikolai Ehlers the second he enters the... You know what I mean? Like, you're you're hoping for a lot right out of the gate. And then you get into the whole situation. Well, how long Kyle Connor is? Is he going to want to be here if, he, if he's a part of this? And then the same goes for Josh Morrissey as well because Kyle Connor is... A UFA in 2026, Morrissey a little bit longer in 2028. It, it's a it's a tight rope to walk for the Jets, man. I I, I don't know. I the, the more I think about this, the less positive I feel about a rebuild, Tyson. I'm I'm not. I don't know. There, there's there's something ominous about taking a look at this and just how how quickly they can go from decent team to really really bad. And going to be in a really, really tough spot to be competitive, I think, in, in, in three years, let alone maybe even four and five if, if things don't go perfectly according to plan. So that that is a scary thought. But you know what's even a scarier thought? They go into this season and they lose Hellebuck, Shifley, Dubois, and Wheeler for nothing. That would be, that would be less than optimal. I, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it really, you, you can't envision the Jets. Never mind running, I guess it would be running their back, right? But like, go, I, I, to, to me, it feels like there's a different path that we haven't gone down just yet. That, that might be the best of both worlds here. Um, but I, man, I just, I, <laughs> I really wonder if they completely blow it up this, uh, this offseason here. If, uh, if it's not a lot longer of a wait than, than people think. 
And hey, maybe in year one, fans are excited and hey, we want to see these young guys play all this stuff and everybody's ready to go. But I wonder about year two, you know, how, how full the building's going to be. Like how many people are going to want to shell out a couple hundred bucks knowing the team isn't going to be good for a second consecutive year. There's just a, there's, there's a, there's a lot of little things that kind of come into it. Alarm bells all over the place that, that do give you a lot of pause here. Um, I guess one, if you want to look at it through more of a glass half full sort of a lens, I mean, we were semi-conservative with the returns for Shifley, Dubois, and Hellebuck. What if you get a Quinton Byfield out of one of those trades? And what if you get uh, maybe a Lafreniere, but uh, some some version of Marty Nikash, for example? And you get whether it's that that Pekka Lekkinen goalie from Buffalo or Spencer Ney or you know somebody else. You get all three of these guys come in, and holy crap, they're ready to go right out of the gate. And all of a sudden, we're, we're we're looking pretty spicy here. Like there is that aspect of it too, right? And that's why it's a little tough to figure out what those returns are going to be. Can the Jets find some desperate teams and extract a lot more value than than a lot of us would have hoped? You know, I think this discussion goes a lot differently if it is Quinton Byfield coming back as one of the main pieces, and you have a Byfield Nikolai Ehlers line for the next half dozen years, terrorizing the Western Conference. Yes, please. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, yes, please, indeed. Or Lafreniere is able to find his footing here in Winnipeg. Or, you know, like, go, you go up and down the line there. Um, it, it's not impossible, but, man, do a lot of things have to go right for the Jets if they want to nail the rebuild portion of it, if they go down that path, with all of their players potentially being on the market this offseason. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, Tice, because I know you got a pizza in the oven. And that's not a metaphor. You have a literal pizza in the oven after work. You're ready to eat supper at, at 10, 15 p.m. Um, <laughs> give me percentage likelihood that the Jets go full rebuild this summer. I'm going to put it at 45. Really? Yeah. I'm. I'm wow. I, I, I'm going 45%. I don't think I can sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I'll be shocked. I would not go that high. The only reason I would give it a level of percentage is, is if Hellebuck forces the Jets' hand and says, no, I'm not, I'm not coming back. doesn't matter what you do. And that almost, in a way, helps to kickstart it. But I, I, don't, I really don't envision that going forward. And I wonder, too, even if the Jets traded all those guys, if they wouldn't try in some fashion to bring in some talent with those picks and assets so they don't completely bottom out. I'm not saying that would be successful. I just wonder if they want to go down that road. Because let's face it, Tice, the messaging from from management and ownership has been pretty consistent since January. And that's that they want that playoff moolah. They are not interested in potentially taking a step back. And when you have a season ticket drive ongoing, upcoming... You know, we can say whatever we want, but having 19, 20 year olds out there on the ice is not going to compel people immediately to buy hordes of season tickets. So I'll be I'll be very, very shocked if they do go down the full rebuild route. I think ultimately we'll we'll probably get into it next week that the dreaded retool is going to be what's on tap for the Jets this upcoming offseason. I do legitimately think that if they did a full rebuild, they would sell more season tickets than they would if they ran it back. 
I might agree with that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's fair. So I think that's fair. Yeah, I, th- I think there's just too much apathy towards the entire team as a whole right now that you're just not going to inspire people to go out there and, and, and shell out big dough. I, yeah, I think that's fair. I think too, I mean, like if you went full rebuild, I think the other part of it, and it doesn't really affect the actual trades and drafting and all that stuff is just like kind of like the New York Rangers open letter to the fan. Like, Hey, this is what we're doing. We hope you believe in us. We're going to get this right. We're going to be back at it in a couple of years. Like that sort of a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would also have to be an aspect of it. And I do think that if they did something along those lines, that a lot of Winnipeg would maybe not eat it up, but a lot of Winnipeg would say, I can get down with that. Like, let's get behind this team and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we support you guys through some lean years because we know ultimately it's going to lend out to some brighter times up ahead there. Um, But let us know what you think. I am not very excited about a potential rebuild. If you couldn't tell there, I think Tyson's a little more optimistic than I, but let us know what you think, what, how things could look for the jets. If they do embark on a full rebuild this off season, let us know some potential moves as well. And then maybe even some names, trade proposals, all that stuff. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki at Tyson Rewiki at skates plates pod on Twitter. Uh, but that's where we'll wrap it up here. Tice. Let's uh, call it an episode and let's head into the long weekend in style because you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Super fun times coming up uh, <laughs> for Tyson and normal weekend for me. But at least you guys can go out there and enjoy things and I hope you, everybody has a great time out there. Uh, we'll get back at it to kick off next week, Tuesday morning. Dive it in once again to any Winnipeg Jets offseason news and rumors that pop up in the time being. We are getting awfully close to June already, which means we are awfully close to the fun season officially getting underway. So we'll continue our off-season talk when we get back at it next week. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Have a great, awesome Happy, safe, long weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Peace.